What's up, everyone? Thanks for stopping in. I'd like to present to you the very first episode of the Small Scoop of Sports podcast. This is the place to be for a weekly Small Scoop of Sports. I am your co-host, Chris Molina. Join with me today is also your co-host, Jairo Gutierrez. Since this is our very first episode, I think introductions are in order. So Jairo, introduce yourself to the people. Thank you, Chris. Uh, what's up, everybody? Um, as Chris said, first of all, welcome to our first podcast. Chris, welcome to, to our first episode. Um, my name is Jairo Gutierrez. I am uh, originally from Santa Fe, New Mexico. Lifelong uh, sports fans, uh, sports fans, sorry, definitely uh, very passionate. And just so you guys know, um, a couple of my teams, uh, I'll start off with, um, I'm a huge LA Lakers fan. Um, since before the Shaq and Kobe three-peat, that's, that's when I first started. Uh, Kobe is my favorite player without a doubt. Um, I'm also a huge Dallas Cowboys fan. Um, my favorite player is Tony Romo. I know that may not be um, the you know, most uh, popular opinion, but that was my guy. And so I hope Dak can, uh, can take us to a place where he couldn't. Um, and also, as you guys will see um, throughout the podcast, we will talk about different sports. So I'm also a big soccer fan, um, particularly the Mexico Mexico national um, soccer team. I would say Cuauhtémoc Blanco and Chicharito are probably uh, my two favorites of all time. And then um, also co- big combat sports guys. Uh, I really like boxing. Canelo Alvarez, without a doubt, number one in the world. And for um, MMA, UFC, I would say Daniel Cormier is probably my favorite. So uh, it's actually a perfect day as he's fighting today for the uh, heavyweight championship of the world. And we'll get into that a little bit later. So um, that's just a couple of my team guys. I'm very excited to to start this up with you. And, and I hope we can get some back and forth dialogue um, regarding all those teams. So Haido, you're actually new to Twitter, correct? Uh, that is correct, Chris. Yes, I actually um, created an account specifically for um, the podcast to share back and forth. Um, you know, anything related to to sports, guys. Shoot me, shoot me a message, and we'll we'll get into it. That is the purpose of that Twitter. So tell the listeners where they can find you on Twitter. Yeah, you guys can find me um, on Twitter at jgut1010. That's at jgut1010. Again, guys, send me back and forth. We want to get that interaction with our listeners as often as possible for anything related to sports or anything that you think, um, you know, we can add or improve to the show. Awesome. Well, thank you for introducing yourself. And I guess that means it's also my turn to introduce myself. And like I said in the intro, my name is Chris Molina. I'm originally from Grants, New Mexico, currently in Albuquerque. I'll talk about a couple of my favorite teams as well. Um, I, like Ido, I'm a huge Lakers fan. Kobe, number my number one athlete of all time. That's kind of uh, one of the basis of our friendships. Also, love baseball. Big time Yankees fan. I get a lot of grief since I'm a Lakers and Yankees fan. But if you know me, you know bandwagon is not in my vocabulary. Ride or die with my teams. Some other things about me. I'm a big LA Kings fan. LA Rams fan so it's kind of LA all LA except for I do like the Yankees and you can find me on Twitter at Chrismo2413 capital C H-R-I-S capital M-O 2413 you can also find this podcast on Twitter or Facebook at Small Scoop Sport that's at Small Scoop Sport so, Haro, 
you originally pitched me the idea of starting this podcast, correct? Yes, that's right, Chris. Um, it was actually a few weeks ago. So um, as we mentioned, you and I have bonded over sports. Uh, we actually met in Costa Rica in 2015 when we were uh, studying abroad. Shout out New Mexico State. Um, and, and from there, we connected over, as we mentioned, both of us huge Lakers fans. So I remember for the time that we were there, we were always talking, whether it be old school Lakers, the, the team now, whatever it was. And so um, since then, we've always kept in touch. Like I said, regarding um, it would be fantasy football, fantasy basketball, NBA finals, whatever it was going on, we've kept in touch throughout the years. And so we're always going back and forth with our opinions. And so, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I said, hey, why don't we create a podcast, share our opinions? And again, like you said, see if, if um, who was right down the road, but more than anything, get other listeners involved and see, uh, you know, how it is that our opinions come, uh, stack up to theirs. So uh, I'm very excited that, you know, we, we created this. And here we are today, man. Episode one of Small Scoop of Sports. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. And I think that was excellently, excellently said. I also want to add too that um, since we're talking sports all the time, it's it'll be kind of nice to have these conversations recorded. So when whenever we make our bold predictions, we can go back to see who was right and who was wrong. <laughs> right, right. You're totally right. And we're going to find <laughs> out, man. It, it might be a blessing. It might be a curse. We will find out with time. And it could also be both a blessing and a curse. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So before we jump into today's topic, let me kind of explain to you what's good with this podcast moving forward. We will be releasing a new episode once a week for now. This episode can be literally anything about sports. If you know us, then you know we are sports fanatics. And we've kind of already kind of mentioned that. And it really doesn't matter what sport either. Boxing, UFC, soccer, baseball, football, basketball, hockey, Hockey 101 for those listeners that enjoy hockey, but they don't know really understand the rules. I mean, I get that a lot. So we'll kind of walk you through what's going on with hockey, even golf, fantasy football. So once we post this episode, we will share where you can find us. We'll share on Twitter and Facebook where you can find us. Haido, are you ready? Oh, Chris, I am ready. I said, are you ready? Chris, let's go. I am ready. Do you think the listeners are ready? Oh, yes. Buckle up. I hope you are ready. Here we go. Perfect. Let's get into today's topic. All about the NBA offseason today. All you basketball fans... Let's go. Okay, Ido. The finals concluded in Golden State this year. Shocker, I know. But Toronto actually won that series 4-2. And our new arch nemesis, Kawhi Leonard, won finals MVP. Did you learn anything from that series? Any takeaways? Give me some general thoughts. Yeah, Chris. So, uh, as you just mentioned, I think uh, most of us expected to hear that. Uh, the NBA Finals and in Golden State this year. What we didn't expect was that second part, um, being that Toronto ended up winning. So um, initial takeaways from the series, obviously it was a hard-fought series. Um, I am, you know, 
kind of kind of satisfied that the Warriors finally lost. You know, as as since KD's been there, basically everyone's known from before the season. Hey, these guys are pretty much unstoppable. Um, it was unfortunately, you know, personally, I thought that the team wasn't at full strength that they didn't lose at full strength right so Kevin Durant getting injured obviously about a month before the finals and then he comes back and well in about 12 minutes you know tears his Achilles terrible terrible injury what I will say though is the Raptors were the better team I believe um throughout the series of course but also throughout the years so I don't think they get enough uh, credit for almost winning 60 games with Kawhi you know sporadically missing games here and there what really stood out to me throughout this series was that um, their depth you know that obviously the Marcus Gasol addition huge I think his his veteran leadership and um, you know the uh, intangibles that he brings to a team throughout a series that was huge also Again, shout out New Mexico State, Pascal Siakam. I mean, what a series. The guy really showed up at the most important time. But there's other guys. For example, Fred Van Fleet. Again, a, a guy that you wouldn't expect to hate. have the, the series that he had throughout those last season, I'd say three or four weeks of the playoffs. He was on a tear. So, Chris, to me, that was what stood out in the series was just Toronto was an overall very well-run team. Uh, Nick Nurse did a great job and just guys showing up to do their job. And then of course, man, as you said, our arch nemesis, Kawhi, mad respect to the guy. He went over there one season and he did what no other Raptor has ever been able to do. So mad respect to the Raptors. Um, what about you, Chris? You know, what, what comes to mind when, when you think about the series and the way it ended? I think that was very well said. Um, I have to give a shout out to Kawhi Leonard as well. I think, um, not single-handedly, but he really brought about the end of the Warriors as we know it. We'll get into that here in a couple of minutes. But if that series goes differently, I think the entire NBA offseason goes differently. It's kind of crazy to think about, actually. Agreed. Agreed. And then, like you said, shout out to fellow New Mexico State Aggie Pascal Siakam. He was the second leading scorer for Toronto. He put up 19.8 points per game and grabbed seven and a half rebounds per game. And during the season, he actually won most improved player of the year. Big shout out to uh, Pascal Siakam for representing New Mexico State. No doubt. All right. So from the from the court to the offseason, as you know, this offseason began with the splash. Anthony Davis was traded from the Pelicans to the Lakers in exchange for Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, and three first-round picks. Haido, we are both big Lakers fans. Tell the listeners what went through your head when you got this notification. Oh, man, Chris. Well, when I got the notification, I was at home in uh, Santa Fe, so um, it was... A shocker. It was something that, um, as you know, we've all been kind of expecting, um, you know, since what, let's say late January or so when it actually became real. Um, You know, my thoughts on the trade, being a big Lakers fan, um, as you know, that we've talked about numerous times, I actually um, was excited for our young core, especially Brandon Ingram, I would say. Um, 
you know, it's too early to tell, but I think that the Lakers maybe gave up a little bit too much, um, especially when you add in the three first round picks, as you said. So, um, you know, the players, again, you had to trade someone, right? So Brandon Ingram, great, you know, potential young star. Lonzo Ball, we've seen him in spurts, but he hasn't been the guy that everyone expected being a second overall pick. Josh Hart, good role player, but again, those three picks. Now, my question here is, um, what makes Anthony Davis worth it for the Lakers? And my thought is this, Chris, the Lakers need to win a championship with LeBron and AD being obviously in the next, I'd say, two, three years at the most, depending on LeBron and how long he could last, in order for the trade to be worth it. Because, again, I think we gave up some key young pieces that will become very good, if not great, NBA players for one guy. Again, you know, a guy in his prime, 26 years old, a huge difference maker. But the one thing that I'll leave you with, Chris, is Anthony Davis has yet to prove that he can play a full season. So if you're getting a guy for 60, 65 games, and that's what you're getting every year, and then he's not ready for the playoffs, then what is his true value? What do you think, Chris? What was your opinion? What, what came through your mind when you got that update? So I remember exactly where I was when I got this watch bomb. Um, I was actually at a wedding. I was trying to you know, be social with family. I don't get out too much being in law school and you know all my free time being in sports so when I got this notification I kind of dropped everything I'm like sorry family Anthony (laughs) Davis was just traded to the Lakers I'm sure you understand let me go to the corner over here (laughs) (laughs) yes sir (laughs) yeah but I think it's huge for the Lakers Anthony Davis is a superstar and he's only 26 years old that he it seems like he's been in the league forever but he came into the league when he was 19. He's 19 years old. He, he's like, oh, I'm done at dominating at Kentucky. Let me go tear it up in the NBA. <laughs> so in his in his last uh, three years, let me read you his points per game. 28, 28.1, 25.9, his rebounds, 11.8, 11.1, um, Tell me if this name comes to mind, but just in terms of numbers does Shaq come to mind right here uh-huh. yes no I mean listen I okay so my question would be for you Chris I, I totally agree his numbers are amazing what is your opinion on that mm, threshold of saying hey we need you for this amount of games we need you healthy to where you know he's not playing you know what is kind of your opinion on that because I think when AD plays I think it's undisputed he is top five player in the world but it's those times when he's missing that changes you know momentum changes streaks whatever it may be and we gave up a good amount of our team to have this guy play so you know what are you thinking in terms of that so yeah I kind of echo what you said earlier about the whole Brandon Ingram thing he was kind of coming into his own this last year before he got hurt with that nerve damage um and that hurts that really does hurt but i think like you said we have to give up a lot to get a lot and three first round picks one we know was the fourth pick in this year's nba draft but two other ones that we have no idea where they're gonna fall 
plus Lonzo Ball, who's been inconsistent and injured his entire career so far. And then Josh Hart has also been inconsistent. He's went from good role player to not having any spot in the rotation, and it kind of fluctuates throughout the year. So I think it's worth it. I think Anthony Davis is worth it, even if we have to do some sort of load management, kind of like what Kawhi did with the Raptors this year. Right. I think if we can get him, um, I say about 65 to 70 games, if we can uh, get that from him, have him stay healthy, um, he's going to dominate in the playoffs. And spoiler alert, I have the Lakers making the playoffs. So for... <laughs> For example, the last time he was in the playoffs, not last season, but the season before that, I think you remember they actually swept the Portland Trailblazers. It was kind of a shocker to the NBA community. That's right. That series, he's 30 points a game, 13 rebounds, and two and a half blocks per game. It's just he's going to be a beast against anyone we face in the playoffs. And even if we have to uh, manage his load in the regular season, I think it's a win for us. I agree. I agree. And I also would like to add in um, the fact that, um, you know, he got rid of his uh, $4 million bonus uh, to help the Lakers. So that's one thing that I'm sure, you know, he's getting things on the side. For example, um, Space Jam 2, he's going to be on there, you know, things that are going to help him outside of basketball. But the fact that he did waive his trade kicker in order for us to have more space, you know, I think it just goes to show that, hey, AD's in it to win you know he's he's coming to los angeles with one goal in mind and he's doing what he can to help the team so you know just want to end it on that just want to give him a shout out for doing that because not every superstar would do the same and yeah i agree with that that was uh it helped us sign some players that we'll get into here when we talk about the lakers offseason moves post anthony davis but we'll get into that in here in a few minutes let's also talk a bit about on the pelican side um, what do you think the Pelicans are going to look like this season? Do you think that you know, was a good trade a, for them? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, Chris. I um, And I'm glad that you asked it because I think the Pelicans are going to be better than most people think. Now, playoff team, maybe that's a stretch, but they're also not going to be in the, let's say, 20 to 26 wins i think they'll be in the somewhere in in mid 30s maybe high 30s i think so for trading away you know your superstar you would think man we're in a rebuild super rebuild mode right now and that's just not the case you know of course zion um being on the team now let's see what he becomes there's very high expectations um and the person that i'm very interested in is actually lonzo i want to see if lonzo you know, gets a chip on his shoulder, says, hey, I was number two overall. I should have been in L.A. They traded me after two years. I hope that he comes out and proves why he was taken at number two overall. I do believe Brandon Ingram is going to come into his own, as you said. So I'm not as, you know, concerned with his development. I'm more concerned if Lonzo, I think he's the guy that can, you know, change the balance in one way or the other. It's going to depend on how he develops in this next year or two. So um, I think they're in a good place. They're in um, a good position to continue growing. And if these guys develop into who they can be, Chris, um, you know, they might be good much sooner than than we anticipated. Um, what do you think? How did you feel about, about the Pelican side of the deal, not just the Lakers? I think they also had a good deal as well. 
um, it's easy for us being Lakers fans to just digest what how the Lakers look afterwards. But also the Pelicans, they knew they were going to lose Anthony Davis at some point. And then for some reason, the Boston Celtics made Jason Tatum untouchable. So I think they made a good deal um, with what they had to work with. Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart. We already talked about that. The fourth pick in this year's draft was actually traded to the Hawks. So they traded down in this year's draft. We'll get into that here in a sec. And they took a couple of good guys in the draft. They signed J.J. Redick. I think they're going to be a pretty fun team to watch. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs this year, but um, they're young. They've, you know, Lonzo's young. Ingram's young. I think uh, they both, they're both barely 21 years old, if not just 22. Um, Zion, Zion, one year at Duke. Now he's in the NBA. So we'll see. We'll see. I think they'll be a fun team to watch, like I said, and it's good for them in the long term. So speaking of the long term, let's get into the draft. Number one pick overall, the Pelicans had number one. And of course, we all know this, but Zion Williamson went number one. This was a no-brainer. Everyone saw it coming throughout the NBA season or throughout the college season. But let's kind of talk more about the top five. So next we have Ja Morant, number two to the Grizzlies. R.J. Barrett, number three to the Knicks. DeAndre Hunter, number four to the Hawks. This was that trade I was was telling you about. The Hawks traded up to get DeAndre Hunter. And then Darius Garland to the number five to the Cavs. Any kind of thoughts about that top five? Yeah, I think, Chris, the top five, as you mentioned, obviously number one, Zion, I think that's uh, one of the uh, most sure number one picks prior to the draft in a long time. Um, So, you know, again, let's see how he develops. The rest of those top fives, uh, John Morant was, again, a guy that I I feel came on kind of late in the season, but he made that huge splash because he was actually, you know, teams were considering taking him. Again, I don't know if number one, but he's definitely a guy that could change a franchise with the way, you know, he he can lead a team. Um, Now, RJ Barrett, that's another big one. Um, We'll get into that again a little bit later. But I personally have high expectations for RJ. I think he was a perfect fit for New York City. I don't believe that just any player can, um, you know, live up to to the expectations of, of playing in New York. But I do believe RJ is one of the better fits for that. DeAndre Hunter, as you said, um, a trade can also be an impact player. And Darius Garland, man, with the Cavs looking to stack up on those guards. Let's see if um, the development, you know, it's difficult to assume a guy is going to come in and make a difference right away, especially in college. I want to see these guys, um, you know, live up to the grind of the day to day NBA. Obviously, 80 plus games, you're at 82 compared to your usual, let's say, 40 or so in college so i want to see that but it seems like a like a really good class and a lot of um good potential to come from this class for for future years for the nba what did you think chris how did you see um that top five so would you say zion williamson was a slam dunk to the new orleans pelicans ah slam dunk um i it's difficult, you know. Chris. I think, you know, it, 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 thinking about it, I think Zion has the potential as, you know, been talked about everywhere to be that kind of LeBron guy. 
But I will say this, Chris, I do think he has the potential to be a bit of a bust considering his expectations. Those are big shoes to fill. You're not going to be LeBron, but can you be a good, you know, 23 and 10 guy? That's obviously a, a star in this in this league. Or are you going to be more on the 17 and 7 kind of, you know, kind of area? So I will not say he's a slam dunk just yet, Chris. <laughs> what do you, what, how do you see it? No pun intended. Of course, we know he's a dunker, but I don't right, see right, it right. just yet. So I kind of I kind of agree with what you're saying with what you're saying here. So I, I think you know that I was one of Zion's critics in college. Of course right. we know, of course we know he, he dominated the college game. He dominated those kids. Um, he was too big, he was too physical, he was too powerful down low. Anytime Duke threw up, uh, threw up any shots, you know you're like, okay, Zion's gonna get the rebound here. Okay, man, he's gonna put back, put back dunk. Um, he was very aggressive on defense. Um, half of his highlights were transition dunks after he stole the ball from the opposing guard. But one thing that there's a glaring hole in his game, and that's the mid range and on. He can make those shots, but he's going to need to prove reliable in those areas, especially because he's not going up against kids anymore. He's not going to be able to physically dominate his opponents like he's used to. There's, he's going to run into bigger guys. Not not every night, but half the nights he's going to run into bigger guys. These guys, uh, uh, they're not scrawny kids anymore. So we'll see what he's able to do there. And not to spend too much time on Zion because he always gets like the, the majority of the action. I kind of wanted to talk about John Morant. Uh, sophomore guard from Murray State. I think going to the Grizzlies is the perfect destination for him. Um, they just traded Mike Conley away for, you know, the, I think you told me a few weeks ago, Mike Conley led the franchise in so many different categories. Do you kind of remember telling me about that? That's right. I'm pretty sure it's points and I don't want, I'm not sure assists, but I know, I want to say pretty sure that it's points. So that's a, that's a pretty big stat, man. He's the leader of, of, of the franchise and didn't get too much done, you know? So let's see how that works out for Jaw. So that that's kind of a huge um, pat on the back for Jaw. They trade maybe the franchise's most decorated player away Correct. when they know they're going to get John Moran in the draft. So he's got big shoes to fill, but he's got an opportunity to flourish in that offense. So beyond the top five, or you can pick the top five, doesn't matter to me. But we're, what we're going to do is we're going to get into our favorite non-Zion pick here. Um, do you want to start off or do you want me to start it off here? Um, I'll go, Chris. I'll go. Uh, I want to say my pick, you know, looking at this first round um, is Cam Reddish. I actually um, think that Cam has flown a little bit under the radar because, again, as you mentioned, Zion got a lot of the action. And not only was Zion there, but so was RJ Barrett. So you're literally playing behind a number one and number three overall pick. Um, but the reason for picking Cam is because I think the Hawks are on an upward trajectory right now with uh, Trey Young leading them. Um, they have the potential to improve quickly, especially now that the East is more wide open since obviously the Raptors are out. You still have 
tough teams, the Bucks, the Sixers, what have you. But I'm excited for Cam. He reminds me of it's hard to say, but a young younger Kobe. He's that athletic guy that can, you know, pull up, play pretty well. Um that two or three position. So that's what I'm looking forward to is Cam Reddish playing alongside Trey. Let's see what it is that they can do in Atlanta, Chris. What about you? Who 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 comes up to mind? Or is it top 10 or is it somewhere a little bit later for you? So for me, my favorite pick of the draft, uh, number seven, Kobe White, point guard from mm-hmm. North Carolina mm-hmm. going to That was to my Bulls. second pick, Chris. <laughs> that was my second pick. <laughs> Yep, I love. Yeah, I loved watching this guy in college, especially because his hair was awesome. But that's not <laughs> why I think it's a good pick for the Bulls. Um, in college, he put up 16 points per game. Um, the Bulls are in desperate need of a point guard. So I don't know if you know this, but there are two point guards that led the team in minutes per game. Chris Dunn, <laughs> uh, Providence point guard that's been in the league for a couple years. He didn't make it with he didn't make it with Minnesota. He played in 46 games last year for the Bulls, led the team in minutes at 30 minutes a game. And then Ryan Archidiacono. I don't know if you remember him, but he was Villanova? Good, yes, yes, Villanova, <laughs> that's correct. But he, I mean 24 minutes a game, so Chris Dunn 11 and 6, Archidiacono 6 and 3. You need more production from the point guard position in today's game. It's a point guard game. We got Russell Westbrook, Damian Lillard, James Harden. Uh, we got Steph Curry, Kyrie Irving, Kemba Walker. Just so many good point guards that it would take at least five minutes to name all of the good point guards here. And I think Kobe White, he, he fits in perfectly with the Bulls. Um, he's shown flashes in college. He's still very young. Uh, he can score at will. And he's all, he also developed into kind of a playmaker, too, for that Bulls roster. After favorite pick, we have draft winners. And uh, what we're doing here is we're talking about the team that we think, or teams, that won the draft. Uh, Heido, do you have a team for me? A team for me, it has to be, obviously, I... I top two I have to go with the Pelicans I know it's it's the dub pick but the reason being that they got Zion and they got the future which was from the Lakers that we already talked about I think that all put together um you know after the draft you get to see that hey the Pelicans had a really good draft obviously with Zion but they are setting themselves up to not lose for many years to come, but rather turn it around pretty quickly after getting rid of their franchise cornerstone. So I have to go with the Pelicans. What about you, Chris? So you kind of touched on this team just a couple of minutes ago, and it's the Atlanta Hawks. Mm-hmm. Um, they get DeAndre Hunter from Virginia. Um, he was a great player for Virginia in the, in the two years he was there, and he was a career 41 percent three-point shooter so he's gonna work in uh very well with trey young trey young second in rookie of the year voting he had a phenomenal second half of the season averaging um close to a double double a night so deandre hunter is gonna have a lot of open three-point attempts with the hawks plus cam reddish i like the cam reddish pick too he kind of slipped in the draft Mm -hmm. he doesn't get a good he doesn't get a good name because he played with Zion. He played with R.J. Barrett. 
people were even hyping hyping up Trey Jones on that Duke roster before Cam. He's got a sweet stroke. He's a good defender. Also, side note, DeAndre Hunter was the defensive player of the year. But anyways, Cam Reddish, good good defender too. They both fill needs with the Hawks on the wing. Because the Hawks, of course, they have Trey Young. They also have another young phenom in John Collins. John Collins really splashed in, into the NBA this year. And I really like Trey Young and John Collins running that uh, pick and roll. So I have to say the Atlanta Hawks. Yes, and I also want to add, Chris, the Jackson Hayes for the Pelicans. So I didn't mention that. That's another young guy that's going to add to the Pelicans' young core. And if he develops, he's a center that can be a game changer, I believe. So I totally agree with the Hawks. That was another, uh, you know, great, great um, pick for for um, that team in the draft. Hey, good, uh, good call mentioning Jackson Hayes. I actually seen him play a few games um he's with uh he played for the texas longhorns Mm -hmm. and even though i'm a sooner fan through and through i can uh really appreciate what this guy brings to the table he's very he's very long and lanky six foot eleven and he's a defensive phenom at the center position as well so if he develops the hawks or sorry the pelicans also made a good pick there too all right, so now that we talked about draft winners, do you have a draft loser for me? Uh, Chris, it's difficult. I um, actually okay. want to go with the Cavaliers myself. I know you mentioned Darius Garland, um, you know, great point guard. The thing to me is it's difficult to pair... Um, a young guard on a team where you know they're they're so lost. I think the Cavaliers could have done better with um, you know more of a how can you say a small forward or a center kind of player. I think that's what would benefit them um, alongside K Love as he's still there. Of course, he he may be moved. You never know. But that's just um, my opinion. I think the Cavaliers didn't improve as much. They were dismal this year um, since losing LeBron. So that that would be my loser. What about for you, Chris? So, I I appreciate that you mentioned the Cavs here. One thing about Darius Garland is how is he going to come back from injury? He only played five games in college before succumbing to that injury. I think it was a torn... Was it a torn ACL? ACL, I believe. Yes, I believe it was a torn ACL. So, that's another, you know, that's another aspect for number five overall to consider. You're right. And he was the uh, consensus number one point guard in the country before going down. And then Ja kind of uh, took control of the narrative there. So that's a good pick. I think my pick here is the Phoenix Suns. Mm. Um, They originally had the sixth pick and they traded down. Okay. I was not happy that they traded down because I had my boy Kobe White going to the Suns. They need a point guard to pair with Devin Booker. And so they traded down. I'm like, all right, uh, let's see what they do at 11 instead of 6. They took Cam Johnson. Phoenix, what are you doing? He is the oldest player in the draft, and they could have taken him at the end of the first round. Some analysts were thinking Cam Johnson might not even go in the first round, and they took him at 11. I don't know what's going on there. And then uh, second... They took Ty Jerome. 
Ty Jerome was a good point guard for Virginia, but he was kind of overshadowed by Kyle Guy and DeAndre Hunter. He's, to me, I don't know if he's pro ready, especially to take over a point guard position. I think he's a work in progress at best. And I, just the Phoenix Suns made a mess of this draft. They have such a good um, tandem, Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. They could have paired both of those guys. They could have taken Cam Johnson with that Ty Jerome pick. They could have went uh, Kobe White and Cam Johnson. I don't know. I don't know. Um, so that's my pick. That's a good pick, Chris. No, you're totally right. Um, again, we'll see fits are always such a um, important factor in the success of these players. But I totally agree. I think they could have gone another way. And like you said, um, use that Booker and um, Aiton tandem to add another piece to it we'll see how it works out definitely now it really gets good let me draw everyone's attention to free agency i think the nba free agency period is Probably the most fun free agency period out of all four sports. Hydro, do you agree? I definitely agree. Yes, you're always waiting for that July date to get here. So, you know, let's see who's the first guy to, to first domino to fall. Exactly. So, first on our list, let's talk about the Warriors. We have to. They've been to five straight finals, and it looks like they're heading in a new direction. Haido, you want to talk us talk us through what's going on with the Warriors? Yeah, man. So um, the Warriors, as you just mentioned, five straight finals, um, an incredible feat. You know, three championships uh, should have been at least four, I would say, depending on which one you you want to take away. But either way, they they did that. Um, but now, completely new direction. So first thing, obviously, the elephant in the room, um, Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant ended up leaving what seemed to be. Um, on negative terms, not only because of his injury, which, by the way, he did not blame the Warriors for, um, but, you know, it seemed that relationships with Draymond Green, uh, more specifically, seemed to be deteriorating there at the end. And then you have Klay Thompson, obviously, who um, last game of the year, he tears his ACL. So um, the highlight of their offseason, obviously, is adding D'Angelo Russell. Um, personally, I am not ecstatic about the ad for this team because, um, you know, D'Angelo has developed big time since leaving the Lakers. He had a great year this last year in Brooklyn, but I don't think he's going to be a guy that can make a huge difference for the Warriors being he's not the greatest defensive player. Stephen Curry's not, you know, the greatest defensive uh, guard in the meantime, while Clay is recovering from his ACL injury. I think they're going to have a tough time defending. Now, they also added um, Willie Cauley-Stein. I actually really like that pickup. Being, yes, me uh, too. You know, yeah, a long guy, center, young, who, who can do some of that dirty work. Um, and also, obviously, Kevon, re-signing uh, Kevon Looney. That's another big ad. He was big for them in the playoffs. So, um, I don't have super high expectations for the Warriors because Klay Thompson is out. Now, when he comes back, if he can come back healthy and make an impact right away, you never know. You know, they're, they're still the Warriors. They still have three superstars in Curry, Green, and Clay. So I would put them somewhere in between that 
five to seven seed range. That's where I'm looking at for the Warriors. What about you, Chris? So I think it's yeah, the Warriors kind of shocked us all with that D'Angelo Russell move, don't you think? Yeah, I agree. Totally. I, I did not expect that at all, Chris. I don't think anyone did. I think it came out of nowhere, too, yeah. And the weird thing about the Warriors is how much money they're spending. I shared this with you the other day, but between Draymond's extension, Clay Thompson's new deal, Stephen Curry's extension from last year, and then D'Angelo Russell's deal, they're actually, I believe they're spending $123 million on just those four players alone. <laughs> on four players, yep. The rest of the team, $8 million combined. And they did find some steals in the, at $8 million. Kevon Looney's one of them. Willie Cauley-Stein is another one. I actually didn't even know Willie Cauley-Stein was on the Warriors. I must have missed it. Uh, when I was prepping for one of my bowl predictions, spoiler alert, it's like, <laughs> where did Willie Cauley-Stein go? I'm like, wait, he's on the Warriors? That's a good pickup. That is an excellent pickup. So I think the Warriors are going to struggle defensively. Like you said, Curry and Russell backcourt defensively is going to really struggle against mm-hmm. the big nine, na- big time names. Um, they should still make the playoffs while Clay is recuperating, though. I think so. And... So, buy or sell, 50 wins this year for the Warriors. They had 57 last year. 50 wins, Chris. I am going to sell. I do not think they will be far off, but I'm going to put them in that, uh, I would have to guess, 47 to 48 range. I do not believe they reach 50. Do you buy or sell 50 wins for the Warriors? I think I'm selling as well. Um, So, losing KD is huge. And losing Clay Thompson for most of the year, at least, is also huge, even though Russell will help him out offensively. Um, I want to say I put him around the 48-win range, too, which, um, oddly enough, would put them at the 7-8 to range in the playoffs if everyone had similar records as they did last year. But if they make the playoffs and Clay comes back healthy, what do you think about the Warriors? I mean, they're still a pretty good team. Obviously, Russell will transition to a kind of a Sean Livingston role. Um, but they still, you know, Draymond Green and Willie Cauley-Steiner and Kevon Looney are going to be great down low defensively. They still got Curry. If Clay's healthy, that you know, that's both sides of the Splash Bros. What do you think the Warriors will do in the playoffs if Clay comes back healthy and they make it? If that's the case, Chris, I think you still have to respect them um, in a big way. I mean, Stephen Curry, he's still Stephen Curry, as you said, if Clay comes back strong and they head um, into the playoffs healthy, you know, considering, of course, Draymond especially and Collie Stein. I think those two guys, if they were to lose, for example, Draymond, it's it's going to be too easy to hone in on the guards. So um, I still would respect them. I think they could still um, for sure advance out of the first round regardless of matchup. Um, and then once again, into those last four, it may be a little bit difficult, but I would still bet they can win at least the first round. And I agree with that. I think if they come back healthy, Clay, Steph, Russell, and Green, they're going to be tough to defend. And you still have to respect them. Like you said, they've won the West the last five years. Exactly. Two of those years, they didn't have Durant. They had, you know, um, Curry, Clay, Draymond. And then they had a few other role players, too, that I think 
they'll be sorely missing in the playoffs. So I don't have them coming out of the West this year, but they're going to be a tough out for whoever does take them out. Agreed. So let's transition to Kevin Durant's new team, the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets made a couple of big splashes in free agency. They got Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. What do you, what does that tell you about the Nets and their future moving forward? Yes. Um, as you mentioned, they added two superstars um, and obviously their trajectory is going way up. They're in the right direction. Um, the underrated signing, in my opinion, was actually the third guy that they signed, uh, DeAndre Jordan. So um, obviously, as we know, Kevin right, Durant right. is going to be missing, um, you know, the whole year recovering from that torn Achilles. Um, the question is, how does he come back, right? Does he, is he still Durant? Is he, you know, if, if we put it this way, I think if he's 85% of the Durant we know, he's still going to be pretty dang good. So um, I would, you know, I'm not too too worried about that. I think his skills will translate into, you know, whatever it is that he needs to improve for that Achilles. Um, but I think the Nets are going to still be pretty good next year. It's going to depend for me, Chris, on how Kyrie can fit into this team. Um, as we saw in Boston, I think if you have tons of talent, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be successful. Boston was loaded with talent. Kyrie just didn't seem to fit um, from a chemistry standpoint. It seemed like he wasn't enjoying himself or his teammates playing with him. And um, if it's the same situation in Brooklyn, I think they could end up facing the same thing where it's not enjoyable. The results aren't what they expect. And they're kind of just waiting around for Kevin Durant. So that's my only question, Chris. I think they will make the playoffs. It shouldn't be an issue in the East. Um, it just depends how far they go on that chemistry standpoint. I think Kyrie will take them as far as, you know, as far as he can. What do you think, Chris? How do you see this this trade and, and what they're going to be looking like pre-Kevin Durant coming back, which it should be the following year, not this one? So I think they're going to have a pretty similar season to what they had last year, where they made the playoffs. They won 42 games. Um, they gave um, they gave the Sixers a tough out in the first round. Um, so basically, they're losing D'Angelo Russell and they're gaining Kyrie Irving. Right. They they have a lot of good uh, role players too on this team, like Karis LeVert. Um, Jared Allen is an excellent defender. Every other day you see him um, with another highlight reel rim stuff. Joe Harris, great three-point shooter. I just don't think it's going to be enough without Durant to move out of the first round of the East. So that um, I have a two-part question for you. With that being said, buy or sell on 43 wins this year for the Nets. And then if you can just briefly uh, describe... Uh, Briefly, give your opinion on what they look like next year with KD and if they're a championship contender. So for the first part, Chris, uh, 43 wins, I am going to buy that. Um, as you mentioned, 42 last year and those role players, they have a good five role players, I'd say at least, who you just mentioned um, with Dinwiddie, Allen, they have Wilson Chandler as well, Joe Harris. So all those guys, um, I think they're a little above that 43. I would give them... 45, 46 range is where I'm at. For your second question, um, I think once KD comes back, again, assuming he's 85%, let's say 85 to 90 pre-injury, I expectation, Chris, is a championship within, you know, these, let's say four years that Kyrie and KD are together. Um, you, 
they're two superstars you have a pretty good um you know core around you i don't see why you can't come out of the east and at the very minimum compete in those nba finals what do you think chris is it, uh, would you say that's a fair expectation or is that maybe expecting too much um on his first year back I think that's a fair expectation. Um, so I'll also buy the 43 wins this year. I think they'll eclipse it with about 44, 45-ish. Um, and then when Kevin Durant comes back, if he comes back healthy, I think you've made a good point here. Um, we don't know how he's going to recover from that Achilles injury. He still, he, he just turned um, 31, if I'm not mistaken. So it's a lot harder to come back from an Achilles injury. No, he's still 30. He'll turn 31 in September. Um, it's a lot harder to come back from an Achilles injury when you're 30 and over and still play at the level he was playing. Right. Let's say he, let's say he does, though. I think you have to seriously consider the Nets as a championship contending team in the East, especially because we don't know going to make of every other team except for maybe the Sixers and the Bucks. So they could easily slide in as the third favorite in the East if Kevin Durant comes back healthy next year. So um, this next segment, I'm going to I'm going to talk about three teams. I want you to label your championship contender, your playoff team and the team that you think is going to miss the playoffs and kind of uh, briefly touch on what they did in the offseason. So the the 76ers, the Celtics, and the Heat. Who's your championship contender? Uh, let's see. Sixers, Celtics, Heat. I'm going to have to go championship contender. Has to be um, the Sixers. Reason being, um, they did let Jimmy Butler go. They did let uh, J.J. Redick go. But um, they did add Al Horford. Um, Al Horford, to me, is one of those guys that is much more important than the stat sheets um, say why he's that guy that is a veteran, but still obviously adds, you know, value on the court, but he brings cohesion. He's going to be perfect alongside um, Embiid, I believe, you know, another big guy that could give him a little bit of rest, although he's more of a four than a five. I think together they're going to be great. Obviously, re-signing um, Tobias Harris and then giving, you know, Ben Simmons a, a big contract as well. I think they're headed in the right direction. Um, playoff team, Celtics. I think Kemba is going to be just as good as Kyrie in Boston. That's my opinion. It may be a little bold. The reason being, again, I don't think Kyrie lived up to expectations, Chris. I don't think... Um, you know, he was who they who they were expecting, that guy that can carry the team. And Kemba, at the very least, can do the same thing, if not better than Kyrie. Um, they also added uh, Enos Cantor. That's a good pickup, solid pickup, a big guy, a grinder. Um, that's going to be helpful. And then let's see how, you know, for example, Taco Fall maybe can make a little bit of a difference. You never know. And you still have Tatum, um, Hayward, Brown. So those guys are still going to be tough. I do say they make the playoffs. And Chris, the Heat was a third team you mentioned. If there was a team of the three, I would definitely pick them to miss the playoffs. They did add Jimmy Butler. You know, obviously it's a great add. We all know that. But if you look at the rest of the roster, Chris, I don't think having Goran Dragic as your um, second option or maybe Dion Waiters, um, to me, they, they should still make the playoffs because it's the East, Chris. But if there was one of the three, I say they miss it. They're just not deep enough. For me, Chris, what about um, you? How would you rank them on championship, playoff, and miss playoffs for these three teams? 
So out of these these three teams, I agree with you about the Miami Heat. I think if I had to pick one, they are going to miss the playoffs. They just had their all-time franchise best player retire in Dwayne Wade. They're going to be kind of looking for that leader to kind of guide them into the next segment of Miami Heat basketball. And I don't think Jimmy Butler is that guy. He's uber-talented. He's a great defender. But we both know how terrible he is in the locker room. He alienated everyone in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. He... Um, I don't think he did much in Philly to warrant um, thinking he will bring the Miami Heat back to their former glory. He could be a piece, and then we could see what they add in the future, but I don't think with the way the roster is constructed now that the Miami Heat will make the playoffs out of these three. They still might, though. They uh, One thing we didn't mention, uh, Myers Leonard. They grabbed, they grabbed Myers Leonard from Portland. He showed out in the playoffs last year. He showed his range from three. And he could fit in with this team. You never know. But anyways, here's where I defer. My playoff team is the Sixers. Mm. And I will kind of get into a little bit of that in my bold predictions. I think, letting, I think the big uh, thing for me is letting J.J. Redick walk. Not so much Jimmy Butler, but J.J. Redick. He was such an integral part of what they were trying to do. Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid are great players. But do you know what Ben Simmons can't do? <laughs> shoot the ball, Chris. Shoot he the ball. He can't shoot the ball. He won't shoot the ball. He refuses. Um, uh, I think Joel Embiid might be their best three-point shooter. Because yep. they they did grab Al Horford. They should make a mean tandem down low in Horford and Embiid. They'll still win a bunch of games in the regular season. But Tobias Harris and Joel Embiid, I think, are their best three-point shooters. Unless you talk about role players like Josh Richardson or Mike Scott. But out of their nucleus, I don't think they have enough shooting to be a championship contender. So that leaves, last but not least, the Boston Celtics. As much as I hate to say this, I don't actually think they're going to contend for the championship. But out of these three teams, I think they have the best chance. Interesting. Chris, let me ask you, sorry, uh, really quick. Now that you say that, we we differ on opinion there. If they were to go head-to-head, Chris, in the playoffs, let's say probably Eastern Conference semis, do you believe then that the Celtics would take out the Sixers? I think so. I think they actually um, grabbing Kemba instead of Kyrie. I think that's kind of a wash in terms of like Kemba's playing style compared compared to Kyrie's playing style. So real quick, so player A, twenty three points per game, six point nine assists, five rebounds. Player B, twenty five point six, five point nine, and four point four. Who do you think? Kyrie Irving was. Kyrie was the uh, first player, player A, and Kemba was player B. Is that correct? That is correct. So um, Kemba actually brings more scoring to the table than Kyrie does, and he'll have more weapons than he did in Charlotte to kind of distribute the ball more, get Boston going, and I don't think he's going to be that same distraction Kyrie was, which will give Boston a boost in the locker room. They're still pretty talented. I know you like Gordon Hayward. 
they still have the young tandem in uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Yes, that's his name. Sorry, I I was spacing on his name. Um, and then they signed Ennis Cantor, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. And no. did they resign Marcus Smart? They did. That's what I was about to add. Is they ended up keeping Smart, which is to me a very big part of their team. And obviously, if he can back up Kemba and do, you know, the similar thing that he's been doing for the last few years, I think that's another huge um, re-signing for the team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. And I think Horford, Horford, the loss of Horford, they're going to kind of struggle to kind of find that second and third score balance at the beginning of the season. But I think. It allows Jason Tatum more room to operate. Plus, if Gordon Hayward, um, with a full off season, fully healthy, can come back to kind of what the player he was in Utah, I think he's going to be the X factor in that kind of series. Agreed. So transitioning to the Western Conference here, um, a huge splash in the trade market. Russell Westbrook to the... Uh, Houston Rockets. Tell me what your thoughts were about that. Man, um, well, as you know, Chris, I wasn't as shocked as maybe a lot of people back in about February or so when that trade deadline was coming up. I did say that I felt the Clippers were going to have two superstars because they had the space. Um, I do want to say I'm a big fan of Steve Ballmer as an owner. I think, you know, he, and I've told you this before, the passion that he brings, obviously, you know, he's comes from a different um, industry, obviously Microsoft owner, but um, I think he's, he's doing this job, this uh, ownership job with a lot of passion and it shows with his move, you know, they risked a lot. I think, you know, they, I was talking about the Lakers earlier, kind of betting the farm in a way the clippers really bet the farm to to bring in oh, whoa, 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 one sec um so we are talking about the clippers here now right you i i apologize you were talking about oklahoma city you're right and so, then, so, and then yes. houston as well correct i uh, i'm so sorry i'm not sure i got uh, excited <laughs> because good. of paul george I was like, whoa, so whoa. Good. yeah good call chris good crawl um for that trade right there russell westbrook to houston that is a huge trade because of this chris the question is, can Russell Westbrook play with another superstar, Chris, much less another superstar that needs the ball in his hand? That's the biggest question to me. I think um, it's worth a shot for Houston. I believe they're on their last straw of trying with, you know, the D'Antoni, Harden, um, tandem, I, I could say. And Russell Westbrook feeds into that style. I think if he plays his running gun and these guys are ready to shoot, it can work out. But... It's a very big risk, Chris, because as you know, Harden needs a ball, Westbrook needs a ball. They're two superstars. What's going to happen when there's issues and they go head to head? So I'm still on the fence, Chris. I want to know your opinion. Do you, are you excited for this, Matt, for this, you know, tandem or are you kind of worried? Because I'm more on the worried end than excited, to be honest. So, you know me, I am not a Houston Rockets fan. I don't like James Harden and I don't like Matt, Mike D'Antoni. Mm -hmm. So, it's perfect that they actually added Russell Westbrook to the team because I don't like Russell Westbrook either. <laughs> <laughs> so, it'll be easy to root against the Houston Rockets for me. But, in terms of them working or not, I think in the regular season, they'll be just fine. They'll have their growing pains. Um, they have too much talent to not win at least 50 plus uh, Westbrook and Harden are the 
Harden won the MVP in 2018. Right. And then Westbrook before that, right? Mm-hmm. That is correct. So um, I think he offers a lot more individually talent-wise than Chris Paul does. But when it comes down to game planning for Houston in a four out of seven series, I think it's going to be easier now without Chris Paul and with Russell Westbrook. There's two players that are uh, have insane usage rates. I think they are the two highest usage rates in NBA history. You know Russell Westbrook, triple-double every night. James Harden, almost a triple-double every night. They both love to have the ball in their hands in the fourth quarter. And I think that's where where it implodes in a playoff series. I don't know. That's just what I'm thinking now. But the Houston Rockets were kind of desperate. Chris Paul and James Harden apparently hated each other, which is unfortunate because I did like their State Farm commercials. <laughs> That's going to end, Chris, unfortunately. (laughs) Unfortunately, those are going to (laughs) end. And I think uh, the Houston Rockets dynasty, not dynasty, the Houston Rockets run with Harden and D'Antoni is going to end in a similar fashion to those commercials. (laughs) I like that. I like that. That's a good one. So let's transition to what you were just talking about here just a minute ago. You're talking about how much you liked Steve Ballmer's um, vision into the LA LA Clippers. They made two superstar splashes this offseason. Tell me about that. Yes, and for our listeners, um, I laugh at him saying Steve Ballmer because I know that Chris does not like Steve Ballmer. So um, he's on the other end of how I feel. (laughs) Um, The Clippers, of course, huge rivals to the Lakers. Um, but you know, I have to give my respects where it's due. I think they gambled a whole lot, as I was mentioning earlier, but they also got a whole lot. Um, I think PG showed Paul George, um, in this last season that he's capable of, you know, being an MVP caliber player. You add him with Kawhi Leonard. Um, obviously again, we've talked about him, the champion. He just, you know, took a team that's never been to a finals before and won it in one year. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if he does it with his third team in the Clippers. This rivalry, I'm so excited to see because um, it's not only stars versus stars. It's not only AD and LeBron versus Kawhi and Paul George. I think both teams, Chris, are pretty deep. You know, a a good eight players that both teams can play. And it's going to come down to... um, you know, who who truly wants it more, Chris? I think we will see this series in the playoffs. And at that point, it's not going to be about who has more talent. I think both teams are pretty well um, stacked up against each other. It's going to be about those leaders coming through and, and showing why, you know, they're the best in the world. So I'm very excited for this matchup. What do you think, Chris? Are you excited? Are you looking forward to the Lakers whooping on them? Or do you think that, you know, the Clippers are going to come, come back to Staples and kind of try to take over now that they're actual legit contenders. So I think these moves are great for the Clippers. Um, They needed to make a splash. They've been setting up to take on two superstar contracts the last two years, all the moves they've been making. It worked out perfectly for them. Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. And honestly, that Paul George trade was pretty much a shock, but I guess it wasn't that much of a shock considering he wanted out 
of uh, playing with Russell Westbrook after only one year. Who can blame him? <laughs> Who can blame him? <laughs> so they have a good roster. Pat Beverly, great defensive point guard. Paul George, he's great defensively as well, and we all know he can score. Kawhi Leonard, he's probably the best perimeter defender in the league. Right. And then they have a bunch of different role players, like Lou Williams. Lou Williams gets buckets. Montrell Harrell, he is a mm-hmm. gr- he's a great player. I remember him from his Louisville days. Um, I think Houston had messed up trading him away to the Clippers, and uh, and it kind of showed. But I think they're kind of lacking in one important category, and that's playmakers. They have shot makers. They have Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, both incredible shot makers and incredible defenders. But one thing the Lakers have that they don't have is playmakers. I think one very undervalued member of the Toronto Raptors is uh, Kyle Lowry. I think Kyle Lowry's playmaking ability kind of let uh, Kawhi do his own thing. You know, he could score at will. He can kind of, you know, fall back on his teammates too. The Clippers don't have that. They have Lou Williams, shot maker. Pat Bev, defensive point guard. And then Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, shot makers. So we'll see. We'll see if that come, comes back to bite them, especially considering they're going up against the greatest probably the greatest playmaker of all time in LeBron James. Agreed. And so, Chris, really quick, seeing them head-to-head, do you see that being a Western Conference Finals matchup? And if so, who wins it? If not, um, you know, why? Who Do you think one team advances more than the other? Or do they both get out? What is your take on, on you know, the actual matchup team head-to-head? I think it could be a Western Conference Finals matchup, sure. I actually have them meeting in the semifinals and we'll kind of get into that here in a sec okay um but i think um you gotta go you know Kawhi leonard versus lebron james we've seen it before it's actually one one in the finals one for lebron james one for Kawhi leonard um paul george is great but do you think paul george is better than anthony davis Oh, man, that's really tough. But if I had to pick one, I would go with Anthony Davis. I think he can impact um, both sides of the ball just a little bit more than Paul George. But obviously, Paul George, MVP caliber player. So it's not far off. What do you think? So I think that uh, I think I would take Anthony Davis as well. I think they're both actually injury prone. Paul George had that uh, just very unfortunate injury a few years ago. And then since then, he's kind of dealt with ailments. He is, it feels like his body breaks down as the season goes on. He doesn't miss many games, but um, right after the Oklahoma City uh, season ended last year, I believe he got shoulder surgery. So that just kind of... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I believe you're, you're correct. So that does affect a little bit another area, right, of his body rather than that, that leg that he broke a couple of years ago. Right, right. So um, he does tend to get banged up. And I like the Lakers role players too. I guess this transitions to the post Kawhi Leonard um, lottery sweepstakes, whatever you want to call it for the LA Lakers. He never wanted to go to the Lakers. And I, you know what? I can't blame him since he had to talk to Magic Johnson and Magic Johnson was the one making the pitch. I wouldn't want to go to the Lakers either after that. But I think the Lakers roster shaped up very nicely. Um, 
And I think it's enough to beat the Clippers in a series, not not just challenge them, but beat them. What do you think about how our roster shaped up after the Kawhi Leonard news? I think um, the Lakers actually ended up doing really well. Um, you know, of course, we were waiting for the news. Every team was on edge um, at the end of, you know, when he was deciding, be it, was he leaving an airplane? Was he arriving here? Was he arriving there? Once the news <laughs> hit, Chris, I think um, the Lakers pivoted well and said, you know what, we're going to get the next best available, which um, I do think. We know the results now, but I think DeMarcus Cousins was a great pickup after, unfortunately, and we haven't spoken about it today, but, um, you know, terrible injury. That is uh, a tough blow, but that is who we got. And then, of course, you know, our team shaped up overall. Quinn Cook came over, a good backup point guard. Um, Avery Bradley, um, another great pickup. Danny Green, you know, these, these pickups that we were waiting for the big fish. We didn't get a big fish, Chris, but... We got, ended up getting all these other guys that um, I think fit in well and give us more depth than rather, you know, just being the three superstars. Don't get me wrong. I would have loved Kawhi on the Lakers. But since we didn't get him, I think we filled out the roster pretty well to surround LeBron and AD um, with good talent to compete for that Western Conference um, championship. What did you think? How did you feel about our adjustment after, you know, we heard the news that obviously he's going to our rival? I love the way we pivoted too. I think um, we had Danny Green on standby. We had a couple mm-hmm. of other guys on standby. I think we said, you know what? Once Kawhi Leonard signs, if he signs elsewhere, here's our contract. Uh, here's what we can do. Let's get a deal done if that's the case. I think some of these uh, moves were so great to su- or surround LeBron James. So let me ask you real quick. First thing that pops into your head what did Magic Johnson fail to do to surround LeBron James last year? Ah, no shooting, Chris. We didn't have enough shooting, I think, enough other scorers to um, compete on a night-to-night basis. What do you think? Exactly. Not enough shooting. Mm-hmm. So what did we do? We went out and got Danny Green, who shot 45% from three last year. And we both know Danny Green's not this guy who shoots one or two times a game. He right. shoots five and a half threes a game. And he even he was 45% last year. And over his 10-year career, he is still over a 40% uh, three-point shooter. We got Quinn Cook, 40% uh, three-point shooter last year. Over his career so far, he is a 41% three-point shooter. So, and then, I mean, Jared Dudley. Jared Dudley, that's yep. something um, we saw with the Nets. He'd knock down a three, defend, annoy people like only Lance Stevenson could. And I think the, our roster shaped up really well. Just It's just unfortunate about DeMarcus Cousins. Do you think that, like, how much do you think that hurts us? Do you think we can pivot elsewhere? Give me your brief thoughts on that one. Yeah, I do. uh, And I agree with everything that you said, Chris, especially uh, that Jared Dudley. I think that's an underrated pickup. Sure, he's not a guy that plays a lot, but he that spot up three, you know, this guy that can make that shot when you need it. I think he's a good pickup related to um, Jamarcus Cousins. I do think it affects us um, pretty, pretty big, Chris. The reason why we went from a three headed monster, especially if he was going to be healthier than he has been, even in you obviously in these playoffs and all of that. Um, to just the two guys, you know, LeBron and AD. The way that we can recover, Chris, um, in my opinion, is to add 
another veteran center. You know, there's been, um, for example, Joe Kim Noah is a, a free agent right now. Or Dwight Howard, Chris. I know we've talked about it behind the scenes. I obviously disliked uh, Dwight in his short Lakers tenure. Him and Kobe did not click. He just wasn't who we needed him to be because of the back injury. Now, I think he's at a point in his career where he would be willing to take less money, obviously not what he used to be, to be on a team like this. And he could be a great body for us because JaVale McGee has proven that he can be a good center, but he is not a starting caliber season long center. He needs somebody to switch minutes with him. And I believe Dwight would fit in or Joel Kim actually either or would fit in that role quite smoothly. And it could fill that void that we just got um, because of, of Boogie Cousins being out. What do you think? Do you agree with that? Do you see us going somewhere else? What would be beneficial for us? I think that would be, that's a great idea. We need to find a veteran center to back up JaVale McGee play. We don't even play much. We don't even need this person to score. So if it is a Joakim Noah, if it is Dwight Howard, you know, just play good defense. We miss the days of good defense from the Los Angeles Lakers. It's been brutal to watch at points in these last five years. If we can get someone to rotate with JaVale McGee, who's also a good defender in spurts, like a Dwight Howard or a Noah, that'll be perfect. In terms of offense, I think we still have an X factor in Kyle Kuzma. My favorite player that we've drafted in the last five years. I hyped him up. Um, I saw him in summer league just dominate. He's he's a natural born scorer. He's probably going to be running with the second team until the uh, fourth quarters. And then it, it'll kind of combine with him, uh, LeBron, Anthony Davis, and a couple other guys try and make a, some sort of death lineup there. But yeah, Kyle Kuzma, I think, will be more than capable of picking up the slack offensively. So real quick, I want to tell our listeners, I know we're over an hour so far. Thank you for sticking with us since this is our first episode, the very first episode. We're running a little long today. We'll, we'll generally try and stick to that 50 minute to an hour range moving forward. But, you know, we had to introduce your, ourselves to you all. We introduce, had to introduce what the podcast is all about and why it got started. So with that being said, let's talk about our last couple of segments for the day. The winners of free agency. Haido, do you have one team besides the Clippers? Because the, that's too obvious. Um, that just won in free agency this year. Uh, yeah, Chris, you're right. The Clippers, I think, are an automatic to win that. Um, I would have to say um, the other pretty obvious pick is the Nets. I think the Nets, obviously, it's still yet to be determined how KD will come back. But um, assuming he, again, he comes back pretty well, I think they'll be good this year because of the DeAndre and Kyrie addition. But then next year, they will be competing for a championship, at least an Eastern Conference um, championship. So I think the Nets ended up winning this free agency. Um, what about you? Who, who would you pick aside from the obvious uh, Clippers? So I have a kind of a curveball for you here. Okay. I I think I love what the Portland Trail mm. Trailblazers did this offseason. Not necessarily in free agency, which in free agency they did go out and they got Pau Gasol who's going to be a great veteran leader. He's going to be great in the locker room. He won't play too much because, I mean, he's on his last legs, unfortunately. But they new additions, Kent Bazemore, 
Mario Hesnagova. I have mm. no idea how to pronounce his name, but <laughs> I think that was pretty I rem- good. <laughs> I remember how hyped he was when the Orlando Magic drafted him. Uh, Rodney Hood's there for an entire season, and Yusuf Nurkic stays with the Trailblazers. And my biggest win for the Trailblazers is Hassan Whiteside. Yes, sir. Good call. I think um, he's just two years from removed from just setting the NBA world on fire. Excellent defending center. Excellent rebounder. He can score in bunches. The only thing is, will he stay healthy? That, that remains to be seen. But the Portland Trailblazers are my winner of free agency. So let's talk about our winner of free agency in terms of players do you have one player that really benefits to going to a new team and a new environment for me chris it has to be um anthony davis you know not because of course he went to the lakers but the biggest reason chris is because he got his way um you know it's quite interesting the way him rich paul and his management team handled the entire saga i think going back to january um you know they try to force their hand and say i'm not gonna play unless you trade me what happened the lakers chemistry got totally um you know dismantled during the the trade talks and anthony davis basically didn't play the rest of the year so you know he had to go through all that the lakers lost their momentum everyone lost in the moment but look now anthony davis is exactly where he wanted to be so in my opinion i think he got his way he's the winner of um this offseason what about you, Chris? Would you agree with that, or did you have somebody else in mind? So, I love that pick with Anthony Davis. I totally agree. Um, but to um, to kind of throw a curveball at you and not pick the same guy, I am going to go with Kemba Walker. Mm, I, I like think, that. I think he's suffered for so long in Charlotte. And no offense to Michael Jordan, if you just happen to be tuning into this podcast, but <laughs> you, you can't build a team. And what do you do? You go hire Mitch Kupchak, the only guy who is who is as good of, as you are as in not building a correct roster. So he suffered a lot from Michael Jordan's incompetence as a general manager. Sorry again, MJ, if you're listening. So he goes to the Boston Celtics, um, replaces Kyrie Irving, Kemba Walker. We know he's a winner. He led UConn to the uh, national championship. He, he also led them to the craziest Big East ride ever seen. He's a winner, and he's just as good as, as uh, Kyrie Irving is. I think he's going to uh, really flourish in Boston. And we all know Boston likes to win, unfortunately. Good thing the Celtics haven't won much, but they'll still be in the playoffs every year. Kemba will do his thing in the playoffs, and he is my winner. I like it. So, so last, do you have a loser of free agency? It could be a team or a player. I do, Chris. Um, you know, looking, going through the teams and trying to figure out my – choice has to be the New York Knicks, Chris. Um, the New York Knicks, man, I think, you know, and, and I have a couple of friends that are Knicks fans. Um, 
shout out Nate. He, I mean, you know, they are so, I think the expectation was so high. Um, Chris, this offseason, you know, hey, we have two max slots open. We could bring two superstars and change the trajectory of the franchise in one offseason. And, you know, it, they were expecting two. They got zero, Chris. So it has to, without a doubt, be James Dolan and the New York Knicks. They got RJ. Awesome. They got Julius Randle, a guy that I really like. But unfortunately, Chris, those two guys and the other three or four that they picked up are not going to change the fate of the franchise, at least not immediately. So those, um, for those reasons, the Knicks are definitely the team that struck out for me. And, you know, they missed their, their huge opportunity. What about you, Chris? So, you know what? It's, it's too easy to say the Knicks here. So I'm going to have to say the Knicks as well. Um, as some of the stuff we were hearing from James Dolan, <clears throat> Excuse me. He was saying like, uh, "Oh, I don't. I didn't want to offer Kevin Durant all of that money, or oh, I didn't actually think we would get Kawhi Leonard, so I didn't even worry about that." It's just they made all of the moves. They traded the unicorn Kristaps Porzingis, who's looking very fit with Dallas these days. Um, they traded him to get kind of that cap space to go after these free agents, and they didn't even get close. New York Knicks fans. They should boo James Dolan every chance they get. Unfortunately, if they do so, they're going to get banned from Madison Square Garden if they do. So uh, just hope for the best with R.J. Barrett, Kevin Knox, uh, Dennis Smith Jr. They have some good uh, young players from the draft. Frank the Tank. But in terms of the free agency, Reggie Bullock, Julius Randle, Marcus Morris. Meh. Meh. <laughs> they're not going to cut it, Chris. I don't think they're <laughs> no. going to cut it for those expectations that, uh, you know, that the fan base uh, had for this offseason. Exactly. So our last segment for this NBA episode is our five bold predictions for the season. Hydro, I'll ask you for yours. You give me yours. Give me maybe a short reason why, since we're still running over time here. Um, and then we'll kind of go back and forth. Sounds good, Chris. Um, first one, I'm going to go with Trey Young leads the Hawks back to the playoffs. May not be such a bold prediction considering the East, um, but as I mentioned him, Cam Reddish, um, I think the trajectory is on the up and up, and I believe they will be in the playoffs this year with a still improved Trey Young. Uh, second, I have RJ Barrett as my rookie of the year over Zion. Um, many people think Zion, without a doubt, you know, it's, it's very possible. I just think that RJ is going to um, take in that spotlight of New York City and, and run with it. I think he has the potential to carry that team into new heights over time. But I do think he's going to make a splash and, and hopefully, you know, become that guy sooner rather than later. Uh, number three, Chris, <laughs> I have Joel Embiid um, and obviously Ben Simmons leading the Sixers back to the finals since Allen Iverson. So I think people um, are assuming that the Bucks are going to run the East without any troubles. I mean, they were right there. They played well. They had the MVP. I think that the Sixers, with the addition of Al Horford, Tobias Harris coming back, I think they are going to be the team to make it out of the East. Going to the West, another prediction. I think the Lakers will make the Western Conference Finals but they will be playing the Portland Trailblazers. That's my prediction. I think, as you said, the addition of Hassan Whiteside, um, 
with now Damian Lillard getting paid, CJ McCollum getting paid. Um, these guys are more, um, I think, experienced. Of course, Pau Gasol edition. Um, it's going to be a veteran team with a veteran leadership that's going to make it far, I think. And the last one, Chris, this is my boldest one, I believe. I'm calling LeBron James for MVP in his 17th season. Chris, uh, LeBron has been slandered and disrespected, I feel, since he missed the playoffs this year. People are writing him off. People are forgetting about him. And I think he's going to use that as fuel this offseason. Obviously, he's already been doing it um, to come back and absolutely run the table. And I think he takes us back to the finals. What do you think, Chris? I love those predictions. And actually, I have a couple of similar predictions, funny <laughs> enough. So my first one, I'll go ahead and say it. I also think the Atlanta Hawks will be making the playoffs this year in the East. I guess I might not be so bold since we both look at the Atlanta Hawks roster and think, yeah, this team is going to the playoffs. They're in the East, yes, but I believe with the second half of the year Trey Young exhibited last year, he's going to explode. They have uh, great additions in the draft. You know, we talked about them. They were my winners in free agency. Um, well, not in free agency, in the draft. And then free agency, they got a bunch of uh, bunch of veterans too. Alan Crabb, Evan Turner, Jabari Parker, and Chandler Parsons. They re-signed Vince Carter. They should have a good balance of young talent and veteran leadership that'll make the playoffs. Second, this is where I defer from you here. I don't think the 76ers will be making it out of the first round of the NBA playoffs. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I, I went bold here. I just think um, replacing J.J. Redick with Al Horford will be very good for the regular season. Al Horford is a good player. Um, he deserves that contract he got. But let me read you their starting lineup. Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, Josh Richardson, Al Horford, Joel Embiid. What are they lacking here? We know it. We know it. What is it, Chris? The shooting. Yep, the shooting. Ben Simmons refuses to shoot threes. He just won't do it. Uh, it's, I, I think it's in his contract or something that he doesn't have to if he doesn't want to. <laughs> um, Al Horford. Yeah, he can shoot. So can Joel Embiid. But if your best three-point shooters are your big men who are more known for their post presence than their shooting, you might have a tough time in the playoffs. It might Things might get hard when teams like the Bucks clamp down on you. You know, Giannis, great defender. Bucks as a whole, great defensive team. And I, that's my bold prediction. We'll see if it comes true. So third, to kind of touch on what you were saying about the Portland Trailblazers, I think they will have the best record in the West at the conclusion of the regular season. Just for some of the reasons I mentioned, you know, they made the Western Conference Finals last year without Yusef Nurkic. Um, they, you know, they get Dame Dalla and CJ McCollum back. And then they scooped up Mario, Super Mario, I'll just call him that, Hassan Whiteside, Cam Bazemore, Pau Gasol. They get a full season of Rodney Hood. I think the Portland are going to be a scary team in the regular season. We'll see in the playoffs. And then I also don't think Zion Williamson will be the rookie of the year. There'll be a lot of cooks in that kitchen, New Orleans. A lot of young kids trying to prove themselves. Lonzo has a lot to prove. 
Ingram was on the verge of becoming a star in this league. Um, Josh Hart has a lot to prove. They want to show the Lakers that they made a mistake in that trade for Anthony Davis. So I think Zion will be great at times, and at times he might disappear with all of the other cooks in the kitchen. Let's not forget about Drew Holiday's on that team too. So I'll just go ahead and say it. John Morant is my rookie of the year. Um, five. And last but not least, I think the Kings end their drought and edge the Spurs for the West's eight seed. Wow. I like that, Chris. I like that. So the Spurs are going to miss the playoffs, are you saying, for the first time in, what, about 20 years? Yeah, I think it's been like 22 years since the Spurs have missed the playoffs. That's my bold prediction. Um, the Kings, they showed they showed flashes last year. Buddy Heald and De'Aaron uh, De'Aaron Fox looks like they're superstars in the making. They are great backcourt. Um, they get a full season of Harrison Barnes, Marvin Bagley, uh, Trevor Reese is coming to town to um, provide that leadership presence. And I think a few games swing their way. A few games don't swing the Spurs way. I mean, and we can see uh, the eight seed here being the Kings. So at the conclusion of this NBA offseason podcast, Heido, who is your championship matchup? I think, or who is your finals matchup? I think you already alluded to one of those teams. And who do you have winning in how many games? Yes, so Chris, um, I have mentioned a little bit about both. I think out of the East, um, I will take the 76ers. Uh, for the reasons that I previously mentioned with Embiid, Horford, um, Simmons, and Tobias Harris. And out of the West, not only because I'm a Lakers fan, I truly believe LeBron James is going to come out to prove he knows his time is coming to an end, you know, much sooner um, than later. So he has to take advantage of this opportunity. I think he takes the Lakers to the championship. Um, Sixers, Lakers, I would call it Lakers win in six games. That is my prediction. I'm going with the Lakers. I'm going with LeBron winning the MVP this year. And um, let's see how it plays out, Chris. We'll find out next June. What are you thinking? I am thinking in the East, I have to go with the Milwaukee Bucks. I think Giannis is going to win his second MVP. He's going to go back to back. And they were very close as it was this last year. They were up 2-0 on Toronto. They were in double overtime. And Giannis fouls out. Toronto ends up winning that game. And then we all know the rest is history. So give me the Bucks in the East. And then I also have to go with the Lakers in the West. Not just a homer pick like you said. Anthony Davis and LeBron James are the best tandem in the league. Come at me, all four of you Clippers fans who say otherwise. <laughs> and... It'll be especially true if we can get Cousins back at the end of the year. And even if he's not who he once was, he would be an appreciated role player, kind of like how the uh, Golden State Warriors used him in the playoffs. Uh, Kyle Kuzmo come into his own. We got Rondo, Bradley, great defenders of our own. We can match up with the Clippers, the Blazers, the Nuggets, even the Utah Jazz. We can match up with everyone. Give me the Lakers over the Bucks in seven. That is my championship prediction.
And that does it for today's all NBA, all off season podcast. But before we sign out, we did mention that we were going to preview real quickly the UFC 241 event tonight. Daniel Cormier versus Stipe Miocic Part 2. We also got um, Anthony Showtime Pettis, Nate Diaz as our co-main event. And then another one that Haido will be keeping an eye on tonight is Yoel Romero against Paulo Costa. Can you talk talk us through that Yoel Romero fight real quick? What's your prediction, Haido? Yes, so uh, Chris, this is a very good card. As you can see, those three fights are huge. Um, Yoel Romero big hitter in the middleweight division as well as Paulo Costa. I think tonight um, Paulo Costa is going to continue his undefeated streak. Yoel is a guy who's had some great battles but um, at the age of 40 plus I think time is going to catch up to him and this young dude is going to take him out tonight. I do believe there will be a knockout um, so I'm picking Paulo Costa. Now in the co-main event um, as you said Anthony Showtime Perez against Nate Diaz. Um, this is Nate Diaz's first fight in three years. His last fight was actually the Conor McGregor rematch. So for that reason, um, included Anthony Pettis just knocked out Steven Wonderboy Thompson in on the welterweight division as well. So for that, I am going to pick Anthony Showtime Pettis. I think he's just on a really good streak. Um, Nate Diaz, again, coming back off of three years layoff. It's going to be tough for him to adjust so quickly. So I'm going to take Anthony Pettis. And he's going to start putting himself in that name for a welterweight um, title. And then finally, the main event, the rematch um, we've all been waiting for for a year now. Daniel Cormier versus Stipe Miocic. Um, I am going to go with Daniel Cormier. I believe tonight he will solidify himself as one of the best heavyweights of all time. If he can beat Stipe for the second time, and if it's especially a knockout, Chris... I think tonight he makes himself, you know, just into the history books, even though he already is. This will just cement his legacy and it will give us the perfect opportunity to set up DC versus John Bones Jones 3 in order for Daniel Cormier to get one last shot at him before he retires. So those are my predictions for UFC 241. I'm excited to watch it and uh, I can't wait to, to get the interactions from our listeners. Perfect. Thank you for previewing this event tonight. I will be, I'll try and watch as well. Um, I'm actually pulling for Stipe here. You know, I'm not a big Daniel Cormier fan, but I can, I can recognize, uh, I can recognize his craft. I can recognize if he beats Stipe again, I honestly think he, he will go down as the best heavyweight fighter of all time to knock out someone who had the most runs, uh, the most title defenses at the heavyweight division in history, and to do it twice, yeah, it's gotta be Daniel Cormier, even though I'm a John Jones truther. I'm not saying Cormier is the best light heavyweight. I'm saying he's the best heavyweight if he uh, takes down Miocic again. Agreed, Chris, so, agreed. So uh, let's, um, I'm going to let you talk about next week's episode. Tell us everything we need to know to preview next week's episode in 60 seconds. Go. 
Yes, so uh, guys, next week's episode is going to be an NFL season preview episode. We're going to focus everything NFL. Some of the specific topics will include um, division by division breakdown. Um, You know, we're going to talk about who we see making the playoffs, both as the division winners and as the wild card winners. And then from there, we're going to go into a big impact players in each of the conferences who can possibly be leading for that MVP um, candidate, each of those awards, defensive player of the year, etc. And then we will go into some predictions for who we see getting to the Super Bowl. Guys, those are just a few of the topics we're going to hit on. It's going to be an all-around NFL season preview. So we um, hope that you tune in so that way we can all be um, up to date on what the season is going to look like. Perfect. And and guys, um, you know, to uh, close it out, I want to remind you that you can find me personally, Jairo Gutierrez, on Twitter at jgut1010. That's J-G-U-T. 1010 and I'll pass it on to Chris so he can give you his handle and so we can um, stay in touch throughout the week leading up to next week's show perfect thank you for uh, letting the listeners know what's coming to the podcast next week and I promise you I promise you if you made it all the way through this very first episode thank you so much and we promise to cut it down for future episodes it, it had to be longer. It had to. Um, so you can find me at chrismo2413 on Twitter. That's C-H-R-I-S-M-O 2413. And then you can find this podcast on Twitter at Small Scoop Sport. And that's at Small Scoop Sport. You can actually use that on Facebook as well to find our page on Facebook. We'll be posting this episode as soon as we are done editing. Thank you again for stopping in for this week's small scoop of sports podcast. It actually turned out to be maybe even a medium scoop of sports this week. (laughs) Haido. Yes. Thank you guys. Looking forward to next week. We hope you enjoyed the show today. We will keep it shorter. Looking forward to it, guys. Have a good one. Yes. Have a good one, guys. And for both of us, we are signing off 